morning. I want to invite you, you saw this in your bulletin, you've seen it and heard about it, but next week we have another opportunity to hear about how God is declaring his glory among the nations. And I hope that you'll come during our Sunday school time next week, the adults and and youth classes, adult and youth classes, uh, we'll be meeting in the Activity Center with Derek and Hannah Stewart, and they'll be sharing about their ministry in Alaska. And so I hope that you can come back and hear more about that next Sunday morning. Today, we are continuing on in Luke chapter 15, or sorry, in Acts chapter 15, written by Luke, Acts chapter 15. Uh, this is the, the part of Acts where Luke begins to tell the story of some conflict That's coming in the early church. And last week, we kind of walked through that conflict a little bit. Uh, In the beginning of Acts chapter 15, it begins to tell us the story. There are some men who go to Antioch where Paul and Barnabas uh, have been based out of. These these men from Jerusalem show up. They begin to, to, to at least infer that they have been sent by men from Jerusalem, from the, the headquarters of the church that they have been sent out with a message. And that message that they're proclaiming to the early church, to the early believers, especially to the Gentile believers, the non-Jewish believers, this message that they're sharing is that everyone needs to be circumcised in order to become a believer. That it's not just enough to believe in the name of Jesus, but you also need to have the physical sign of circumcision in order to be saved. They shared that in, in Antioch. They continued on then into the, into the area of Galatia and shared it with the churches in the Galatian area. And in Acts chapter 15, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 15 about this debate. He starts it just by saying these men have come and there was, was no small debate, that Paul and Barnabas had no small debate with them, which I told you last week was, was really one of the great understatements of the Bible. Because somewhere right in the beginning of Acts chapter 15, Paul heard these men, he, he understood the claim that they were making, and he was so fired up about it that he wrote the book of Galatians. He wrote the letter to the Galatian churches to send it off before he went to Jerusalem, before the council had met, before they hashed out the debate that we'll get to later in the chapter. Before all of that happens, Paul is fired up and he writes the book of Galatians, the letter of Galatians to those churches. And last week, if you were with us, we walked through, I just walked you through several passages in Galatians to show you that this was no small matter to the apostle Paul. He didn't just gloss over it. This was the heart of the gospel for Paul. This was, it had to be Jesus and Jesus only and nothing else. He knew that if this extra weight was put onto those Gentile believers, that it was going to cause, it was going to cause some to leave the faith. It was a, at minimum, it was going to cause a, a diversion between the two bodies, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers would have split, and the church, the early church, would have been divided over this issue. It was too much. And Paul knew it. And so Paul, Paul writes the letter, he, he has this debate there in Antioch with these men. In fact, he criticizes Peter. If you, as we looked at last week, if you look in Galatians as he talks about this story, there's a moment where Peter has come and even Peter's actions 
Um, as the Jewish men come, have begun to confuse the Gentiles, and Paul calls him out on it, calls him out in front of the others. And they get to the place where this debate is so big, it's so important, that they decide they need to go back to Jerusalem. They need to go back to where the apostles are. They need to go back where the early church started in Jerusalem, and they need to hash this out, and they need to figure it out. They need to have a council where they can have the church leadership getting together to figure out what is our response to this, to this idea, to this statement. And so they do. They, they travel back to Jerusalem. All of the apostles gather together there. Uh, Peter or Paul and Barnabas are there as well. And they, they hash out this council. They hash out this discussion. Is circumcision a necessary sign for those who have come to faith in Christ? That's really what they're debating. That's really what they're hashing out. Is circumcision a necessary sign for salvation? And after this long debate, after they've, they've hashed it out, they've gone round and round about lots of things. We'll talk about that in a little bit. They've gone round and round about a lot of different things. Finally, Peter steps out from the, the, the council, and this is his, this is his report. We, we read it last week. I don't have it on the screen, but you can see it in Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 7. Peter says, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Peter says, from early on, I've seen it. In fact, Peter, Peter reminds them, I was one of the ones that was sent from Jerusalem to go to these other cities to, to verify, in fact, that the Holy Spirit was alive and at work in these Gentile people. And I'm here to tell you he was. He was alive and at work in them. God had worked in the Gentiles just as he was working in the Jewish believers. The same faith was found in the Gentiles as it was in the Jews. And so Peter says, we're not going to put this other yoke, we're not going to put the law, we're not going to put the Old Testament law on these new believers because Jesus has fulfilled that portion of the law. And so now it's just faith in Christ. It's only in him. We believe that we will be saved through the grace of Jesus just as they will be saved through the grace of Jesus. Then James, the brother of Jesus, the lead elder in the Jerusalem church, he's, he's the one that lives in Jerusalem. He's the, he's the apostle that's in charge. He then makes a statement. He says, Brothers, listen to me, in verse 13. Listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take them from a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return. I will rebuild the tent that David has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins. I will restore it. The remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who, called, who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, 
James says, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from these things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. James says, this is what we've decided. Just as Peter has already said, we have decided that we are not going to put anything else on believers. That the Gentiles and the Jews, they are together now. These promises of these Old Testament have now come together and they are found together in Jews and in Gentiles. Gentiles now wear the name of God whether they bear the mark of circumcision or not. We're all in one family. Faith in Christ is the mark. Faith in Christ is the seal. Nothing else matters, is what Peter and James declared there at the council in Jerusalem. And so that's where we left it last week. Now, let's look at the response. What happens now after this council has made their decision? What happens next? Let's read it. We're going to start in verse 19 of chapter 5. This is... Again, James's response. Therefore, he says, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders and the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who were of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these you will do well, well, farewell. So they were sent off. They went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return to visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought it best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had gone, and not gone with them to the work. And there arose such a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So they decide to write a letter. Why 
write a letter, I think is one of the first questions that we have. Why? Why do they decide to write this letter specifically to the Gentiles? This letter is going to the Gentile believers in, in the Galatia area, in, in Cilicia, in Syria, it says. Why do they decide to write a letter? I think the way that we can understand those, those verses, verses 22, 20, 19, 20, 21, and 22, where James says it's important for us to do this, to write this letter, because, he says, from the ancient generations, Moses has had every city those who proclaim him, because it's read every Sabbath in the synagogues. What he's saying there, what I think James is saying there is that we know, Jews like us, we know the law. We've heard it, we've read it, we understand it. It has been repeated to us over and over and over from ancient generations. We know the law, but the Gentiles do not. They don't understand the law. And so when, when Jesus comes and fulfills those portions of the law, there are some things that the Gentiles just do not understand. And so it's helpful for them to have this letter be written so that they might better understand some of the, the background behind what happened, so they might better understand Jewish tradition. It seems like, and I said this earlier, it seems like there's a lot more happening in this debate besides just circumcision. I think, I think at this first council, they come together, and there's a, a, a group of uh, people, uh, let me back up, I think everybody in this group says, says, yes, people are believing in the name of Jesus, they have come to faith in the name of Jesus. They, they've trusted in the name of Jesus. But then there's a group of Jewish people that say, but there has to be more. It has to be more than just trusting in Jesus. How do we know that they're Christians, is what he's saying. This group of Jewish people are saying, there's, how, do, how do we know? What's the seal? What's the mark? How do we know that the Spirit is alive and at work in them? There must be more to it than just them saying that they have trusted in the name of Jesus. And so they're having this debate back and forth. And Paul is saying, and his group is saying, faith in Jesus, is, is, it's, it is the seal. It is the mark. It is everything. Faith in Jesus is the way to salvation, and that is the mark for believers. There's nothing else that is required. That's all. Nothing else is required. And these guys would push back and they would say, well, how do we know? If, if you look at these Gentile believers, they look just like everyone else. They look like all of the other Gentiles. They're doing all the other things that the Gentiles are doing. They're, they're buying the food that's been sacrificed to false gods. They're, they're having sexual relations, especially related to idolatry. They're, they're doing all these, how can we know? What's the mark? How can we know that they're different? How can we know that they're believers? There has to be a sign. There has to be a mark. There has to be something that we can point to so that they might see it. And so they're having this debate, and Paul is just continually, I think, pounding, saying, no, 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 it's just Jesus. It doesn't matter if they're circumcised or not. It doesn't matter. All of these things don't matter. It only matters if they've trusted in Jesus. And I think Paul would go on to say, the only thing you can trust in, the only thing that you can trust in is belief in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. If you trust in your circumcision, 
your trust is in the wrong place. If you trust in anything else, anything else, your trust is in the wrong place. You can't trust in your circumcision. You can't trust in your baptism. You can't trust. You can only trust in Jesus. And so they're having this debate back and forth. And I think finally, I think finally they begin to realize that faith in Jesus is it. That is the line. But there are some things that when we believe in Jesus, when we have faith in Jesus, when we come to faith in Christ, when the old man is gone and the new man has come, as Paul will say later, there are some things that we begin to put on and there are some things that we abstain from because of the way God is at work in us. And so I think this debate begins to happen. In fact, I, I, I say that because, because even Paul, the next letters that Paul is going to write, he's going to write Corinthians and, and Thessalonians. He's going to write to the Corinthian church and the Thessalonian church next. And, and when he writes to them, some of the things that he deals with in those books are these exact things. He begins to tell the church in, in Corinth, you, can't, you have to flee from sexual immorality. You cannot, you cannot have this be a part of the church. This is not who we are, he says to those people. Talks about those that, that eat the meat, just as, as we talk about in this letter. He, he talks about that to the Thessalonians. He also will mention it when he writes uh, to the Romans, or when he writes uh, Romans. He says, some of you, some of you can eat this meat and some of you cannot eat this meat. It's not, it's not a part of your salvation. But there's wisdom in how we live our lives as believers. I showed you the passage in Colossians today. There are some things that we put on as believers there are some things that are a part of our life as believers. Are they requirements for salvation? No. Faith in Jesus. That's the seal. That's the requirement. That's the end. But, but there are some things that are added to it because they better help us glorify God. Are they requirements? No. And I think that's what they're saying in this letter. In fact, as they, as they give it, one of the, they, they write, um, we don't want to lay any greater burden on you except for these things. We don't want to give you any burden except these requirements, it says, if you read it word for word. We don't want to lay any burden on you except, here's a few more things. So they, they give the things and then they say, if you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. The, the way they the way they phrase it is to say, these are so important. We want you to be careful in the ways that you live. If you keep yourselves from these things, you'll do well. But that's not the requirement. That's not the seal. It's all about belief in Jesus. So the apostles, James, the leader of the church, writes this letter. They send it back. They decide to send a couple of other guys, Judas and Silas, they send these men because when, when the letter arrives in Antioch and when it arrives later on farther down the line, they want everyone who's, who hears this letter to know this is, not, this is not a letter that Paul and Barnabas wrote in the back room somewhere. This is the truth. This really did come from the council in Jerusalem. This came from the apostles. This is what we believe. So they sent men to verify and to legitimize that message. 
And they freed them, freed the Gentile believers from the yoke of circumcision. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. As the, letters le- as the letter is read, Luke tells us, they rejoice because of the encouragement that comes from it. They rejoice from being freed from the burden of circumcision. They rejoice in the hope that they have only through Jesus. Judas and Silas, they, they continue to teach, they continue to, 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 to preach, and then they head back to Jerusalem. But the conflict is not over. We are about to see a different conflict at the end of chapter 15 here. Paul has decided he wants to go back. He wants to go back to Galatia. He wants to go back to those churches in, in Derby and Lystra and Iconium, the ones that he's, he took his first missionary journey through with Barnabas. He wants to go back, I think, for a number of reasons. One, he wants to go back to make sure that they get this letter, that they understand what happened at the council in Jerusalem. He wants to go back and begin and to, and to see how those churches a year later, how they've developed and what's happening in those churches and what's happened with those elders. He wants to, he wants to just see how is their faith. What's happening in those churches? What's happening in their lives? And so Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back. Let's redo that route that we just did and check on those churches. Barnabas says, absolutely. Let's take John Mark again. Last time we went, we started this journey with John Mark. He went with us when we sailed to Cyprus, and we went through, and John Mark was with us the whole way, and then we left, we left Cyprus, and we headed north, and it was there, if you remember, that John Mark abandons them, that John Mark takes off. And it doesn't tell us exactly why. We can't put it all together. We don't know exactly why John Mark left. Maybe it was too hard. Maybe he was homesick. Maybe it was, he was too young for the journey. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was that Paul had begun to kind of take the leadership of this group that Barnabas had been the leader of, his cousin had been the leader of. We don't know. But John Mark had left, and Paul... Paul sees it not just as a, 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 as a small thing, but Paul says he abandoned us in, in the work. He left it. it. It was a huge deal. And I'm not going to give him another opportunity to go with us. He doesn't get another chance. And Barnabas, remember Barnabas all the way through, all the way through Acts, he is the man of encouragement. He is the, man, he is the gentle one. He is the one that... that helps believers. He's an encourager all the time. Barnabas, Barnabas can see in his cousin that yes, he did. He, he abandoned us. He left us. We journeyed on without him. But, but he's grown. He's matured. He, he, he has the ability to, to be a good minister. Let's take him with us. Back and forth they go. No, we're not going to take him. He abandoned us. Yes. I think he can do it again. Luke tells us that they they go back and forth so much that there arose such a sharp disagreement that they ended up separating from each other. Barnabas takes John Mark and heads to Cyprus, his hometown island. And the two of them go and they begin to minister there. And Paul takes Silas, one of the men who had come from Jerusalem earlier. Paul takes Silas and they continue on to the north to head to Galatia. There's a couple of things I think that we can see. Oh, let me show, uh, I forgot, let me show you a map. I think I have a map. This has been helpful for me to kind of follow through on the journeys. You can't see that very well. But 
But if you, if you see the, the orange line on the bottom down here, that's the, the trip, that's where Barnabas and John Mark now are traveling to Cyprus. This is, this is, Cyprus is the hometown island of Barnabas. This is where he grew up. And so that's where, and that's where the first missionary journey headed that way. And then it continued off the end of the island on the far left over there and went straight up north to Pamphylia. Can you see that? Let's go far left, far left. Right there. See right there? That's Pamphylia up there. So, so that, that was the circle that they did before. This time, this time, uh, Barnabas and John Mark get sent their re- that red line. They get sent the red line. They, they go to Cyprus. And church history tells us, we don't read about it in Acts, but church history tells us that's where Barnabas ultimately passes away. Um, he, he goes to Cyprus, devotes the rest of his life to ministry on Cyprus. And, and now Paul is the green line up there at the top right. He's the green line. He has decided he's not going to sail back around to Pamphylia where they started before. That was the trip that they did before. Now he's going to go um, through the, the land route to get there, partially because where the dot stops there is Tarsus. That's his hometown. And so he's traveling the north route to get there. So this is where the, the parties split up. So what can we learn? What can we apply from all of these things. I don't have a lot of time for it. Let me just give you a few principles quickly that I think we learn from Acts chapter 15. Some principles on how we can deal with conflict. Some things that we see through these things. Number one, know, know what's worth fighting for. Know what's worth fighting for. Paul knew, Paul knew it early on when these men come and they begin to share that circumcision is necessary as a necessary part of the gospel. Paul knew this was something that I couldn't let go. This is something that I'm going to fight for. I'm going to fight all the way to the end for it. I'm going to take it all the way to Jerusalem. I'm going to go all the way to the council. We're going to fight for it because, because it's that important. You have to know what is, what is worth fighting for and center on the gospel in the midst of that. That's what Paul does. In fact, in fact, it seems funny a little bit, and commentators would say this this week as I, as I read about this. Paul says, there's nothing else, nothing else but faith in Jesus. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else. But then, but then when James writes his letter and says, I don't want to put any burden on you except these other requirements, Paul didn't fight that. Paul centered on the gospel, and he said, this is, this is what we're going to fight for right here at the end. We're going to fight all the way to the end that it has to be Jesus. Second thing, second principle I think we want to learn in this is that we want to respond in humility. And that shows up a couple of different times, a couple of different places in this passage. But most notably, it shows up in the story of Peter, I think. In Galatians, if you remember, if you, in Galatians, Paul and Peter have this battle. And, and Paul says, Peter, you, you, you have, you, you're betraying the gospel. When you, when you pull away from the Gentiles and you only um, go back to, to hanging out with these Jewish men and, and only do the Jewish things and only eat the Jewish foods and, and, and you push the Gentiles away and you're wrong in it. And they have this conflict in Antioch and then head to Jerusalem. And it seems as though, as I think through this, it seems as though Peter so easily, so easily could have put Paul in his place. So easily could have said, hey, buddy, I was there from the very beginning. 
Jesus himself called me. I walked with him. I, 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 was one of the, I was one of the main three who got to go on the transfiguration. I was there from the very beginning. I was, I know. I know. I'm the rock that this whole thing is founded on. He could have pulled out the importance card, but he doesn't do that. He hears what Paul says, sees that Paul's right, and then comes when they come to Jerusalem, Peter himself is the one that comes out and says, yeah, these Gentiles, they fully come to faith just as we have. We trust in the grace of Jesus just as they trust in the grace of Jesus. Peter replies, responds in humility. Another principle about conflict I think that you want to see in this is that when, when resolution has been achieved, you want to let that be known. That's what they do here. They, they write a letter, they send it off, they send it so that everyone can know, and in fact, don't, they, don't, they don't only send the letter, but they, they send men to go with it, some verifiers to go with it, to legitimize it, to let people know that resolution has been achieved, and this is, we don't want any confusion, this is where it is, it's only Jesus. You wanna rejoice in that resolution. That's what the Gentiles did, they rejoiced in the encouragement that came from having resolution in this discussion. It was a weighty issue to them, and they rejoiced in it. And then, as we look at the end of chapter 15 here, we see that there are times when Resolution doesn't come. It cannot be made quickly. There is, there is no path to full and complete resolution in some conflicts. There was not a path to resolution for Paul and Barnabas. And so they peacefully move on. They peacefully move on from each other in the midst of this conflict. Barnabas taking John Mark, Paul taking Silas, making his trip on the land. And then... I think this is an important note too, and, and most of us, I think, know this, but Paul later admits, at least it appears, that he admits that he was wrong about John Mark. There's a couple of different places in his letters where Paul will later say, he says to Tim- Timothy, bring, bring Mark with you when, when he comes to me because he's helpful in ministering for the gospel. And in another place, he sends Mark to be a helper because, because Paul is able to admit when he was wrong. And he watches. He didn't just make up his mind, but Paul later uses and loves Mark as a part of his ministry. Just a few principles, I think, that Luke gives us here. Missionary journeys are going to continue. We now are not, no longer going to see Barnabas and John Mark will show up later in some of the letters. But those guys go to Cyprus. Paul, as we begin to follow now, heads up north on the land route to Tarsus. And in just a little while, Luke, the, the writer of Acts, is about to join him on this missionary journey. So he's not going to be reporting what he has heard, but instead will be reporting what he's seen. I'm excited as we continue to look at this journey. Um, God has helped me as we have put these letters together last week as we've talked about the book of Galatians, even this week as I looked at Thessalonians and Corinthians and the letters that, that Paul is about to write. I hope that the puzzle pieces are beginning to fit for you. 
so that as these discussions, as we talk about these discussions, these debates that they have, as we read lists of things that we're supposed to put on, that those begin to connect, that those dots begin to connect so that we might have our focus turned to Christ, just as they were calling for in Acts chapter 15. The worship team is going to come and lead us this morning. We're going to continue to look to Jesus. He is our only hope. Stand with me this morning. We're going to worship together. Prepare our hearts, O oh God. Help us to
Thessalonians chapter 5. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning.